of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Welcome to Radio Contra once more. I, of course, am your host, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia NC Scout. And coming in once more with the subversive transmission that the government establishment does not want you to hear. And we have a episode today that hopefully is going to put some pieces together and in perspective of the larger scheme of maneuver. Because one of the things that's very important to understand is the larger picture, what's going on. You know, here in America, and largely in the West, we have this very short attention span, and that's driven mostly by the 24-hour news cycle. And I myself don't really buy into that. Uh, much because when when we do that we become very reactive and a lot of times too in doing this in running brush beater training and consulting now for seven years and man that's hard to believe it's been seven years but in in doing this a lot of people come across my desk uh emails they come to class and they want to know the bigger picture. They want to understand uh, the larger scheme of maneuver. And, you know, some people seem to believe that I have some sort of crystal ball. I don't. I have a penchant for correct analysis. And that comes from uh, experience and logic. Uh, but, you know, it, it, you have to put all of these things together and understand where they intersect on the larger global scale. So in yesterday's episode, talked about the uh, continuing war on conservatives of uh, patriotic Americans. And we're going to see a lot more of this. Uh, we saw a lot of this uh, leading into the 2016 election. It ramped up again in the 2020 election. And I would say that this midterm election is one of the most pivotal in American history, if not the most pivotal one in American history. And there's going to be all sorts of debauchery that occurs. Okay, that, that's kind of a foregone conclusion. And um, that's going to happen. But meanwhile, there, there's a lot of things on the larger global picture that need to be put together and addressed and understood for exactly what they are. 
all right? And one of the big ones is the war in Ukraine and the international ramifications that are going on uh, with it. Now, I'm not a fan of the Russians. Uh, obviously, I'm not in favor of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But that being said, I'm also not a big fan of the Ukrainian regime of Volodymyr Zelensky either. Uh, this guy who kind of hides behind a rock all the time, pops out. He's, he's propped up. Every win for him is a win for the Biden administration, for D.C., for the continuing grift that's going on. And these guys are fully committed to fighting to the last Ukrainian. Uh, so while I do not support... Uh, the Russian invasion or the aims of the Russian regime, because that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. I absolutely lay the blame for the current situation at the feet of Western leaders, at the feet of NATO. And there is a mountain of very strong evidence that what's going on in Ukraine is nothing more than a continuation of financial grift. It's a large wealth transfer scheme that is going to the uber wealthy here in America and not benefiting in any way, shape, or form us on Main Street. And with that said, we know that, that Russia has had some serious setbacks, the Ukrainian counteroffensive, uh, which I talked a little bit about in the first Council on Future Conflict uh, with Joe Dolio and uh, some other really good folks that were on that panel. Colonel Mike Bennett uh, from 5th SF Group. And um, we, we broke down the potential counteroffensive, things that were going to go on, uh, kind of our predictions. And it, it ended up happening. They liberated Kurson, and uh, that, that was very interesting. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of things about this conflict that haven't really made sense uh, from my perspective. And, uh, you know, it, and, and I could dive into those more specifically, but I think that's that's outside the scope of the show. What I want to talk about is the second and third order effects here. I think Ukraine is really the first domino and a very insignificant one at that. Uh, it's significant to the West because we're gaining ground uh, or, or seem to be gaining ground. The powers that be seem to be gaining ground. But it's insignificant when it comes to the larger plan. Um, I think that, that that is the bait that was taken. That's the way that the, uh, the Russian regime is looking at it. And they're going to outmaneuver us because what we have is a much wider economic war that's actually taking place right now. And there is uh, some, some rumblings of a color revolution in Iran. This is probably going to fail just like it did in, in 2009. I've seen some of the footage of it. It's not very well organized. The street protests are not getting the mass support that uh, the NGOs and, and whoever else, intelligence community, uh, that is, has propped this up. They're not getting the support that, that they thought that they were going to get. Uh, just just as in 2009, they, they did not get the, the support there. Uh, with uh, Kyrgyzstan most recently, with the, the failed color revolution there, it, it just didn't come to pass. And, uh, of course, we can't leave out Pelosi's trip to Armenia, which I talked about in the last intelligence cable. Uh, so 
you know, we're, we're messing around in a multi-pronged front to try and split up the CSTO and the alliance that the Russians and the Chinese have built. Uh, and India is now fully on board with China. And, uh, you know, I couldn't even predict that one. Uh, didn't think that that was going to happen. And lo and behold, it has. So we need to understand those factors to gain a greater understanding of Putin's speech. And so I've got a lot of feedback, uh, some retired military officers who have a huge amount of intelligence background um, and under their belt, and I talk to them pretty regularly uh, from a few different angles. And, you know, a couple of them were bringing up to me the, uh, the, the interesting point that the mainstream media is not really giving Putin's speech a lot of attention other than just a really dismissive tone uh, to say that, well, he threatened nuclear war and that was about it. I'm going to say that, that his threatening of nuclear war or his allusion to nuclear war over Ukraine is actually the most minor part of his speech. There's something far more sinister that is being planned right now, and the Western powers, especially here in the United States, our government is walking right into it. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. You know, I spent the whole uh, last half of the last episode ripping into Steve Pachenik, who I think is a hack and a fraud. He is a government cutout that is designed to create disinformation uh, and has been over the years and, and get otherwise well-meaning, well-intended patriots in trouble, uh, which is what we're seeing right now with Alex Jones. So, um, I don't adhere to any of that, okay? I'm only telling you what I see from the facts and, and what they are. And there is no cable between the East and the West where there is some secret plan, okay? China, have, have they been playing both sides? Absolutely, to their own advantage. Um, but do I think that they're uh, long-term? Who are they going to be hanging out with? Obviously, it's going to be BRICS, right? The BRICS countries. So Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, right? The economic alliance that they are going to use to supplant the U.S. Federal Reserve and replace the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. They've made some major moves in that direction. Um, and with the weakening of the U.S. dollar, the continuing weakening of the U.S. dollar, uh, I'm not saying that BRICS is it's it's a surefire thing that's going to win, but it's absolutely a threat and one that we cannot dismiss. All right, and so all wars and all warfare is reflective of the economics. They begin as an economic war, and that is what is going on, what is occurring right now. They also know, meanwhile, that DC is inherently and irredeemably corrupt. All right, that much is a fact. The Democrat Party and the Politburo running the Republican Party, which, you know, conservatives, Main Street conservatives, quote unquote, my guy conservatives, the Make America Great Again crowd, uh, we see them, call them for what they are. They are uh, Republican in name only, deep state, whatever it is that you want to call it. I call it the Politburo 
the the uniparty because that's exactly what it is. China has been a very convenient cash cow for this crowd. And meanwhile, China has been exploiting them to the fullest because they know that human nature trumps everything else and that these people are not nationalists. They're just greedy businessmen at the end of the day. Um, you know, the, the Democrats, nothing more than greedy opportunists. That's all they are. Okay, so all you altruistic leftists down at the street level thinking that, you know, your AOCs of the world or your Rashida Tlaibs uh, that are simply profiteering off of a whole lot of stuff, right? They went to D.C. for self-enrichment. If you think that they're fighting for Main Street, you got another thing coming. Uh, But then again, if you were smart, you wouldn't be a leftist. So there's that. Um, But... What we need to explore, more importantly, is the concept of gray zone warfare. Now, I have talked about for years upon years now the moves that China and Russia have made in South America, the great gains that they have made. And with the uh, installation of the latest leftist regime, hard leftist regime in Colombia, and I've got some contacts down in Colombia that uh, have forwarded me some information on the situation down there with, with this new regime that is in right down in Colombia that has cemented the Chinese and Russian grasp on South America as well as Central America. And so when we take that into account and we understand that there is now a very clear pipeline for human trafficking and all of these waves of, um, invaders that are coming in on our southern border that are unabated, by the way, unabated. Uh, Department of Homeland Security Director Alejandro Mayorkas has no plan whatsoever and, and refuses to even address the fact that the border is completely unsecure. And he asks us to uh, deny our lying eyes to what is actually happening. And meanwhile, you have uh, the very embodiment of, of white privilege on Martha's Vineyard, which melts down over uh, just 50 of these people showing up. But one of the most important things to understand is this concept of gray zone warfare. All right. So what is gray zone warfare in practice? It's simply a war before shots are being fired. Okay, this is the pushing to the front of anything that causes chaos in a targeted area, in a enemy country, in an adversarial country. And very frequently, this is done with people in human waves. Uh, You know, we saw this in Eastern Europe between Belarus and Poland, uh, going back and forth, back previously to the Ukrainian uh, invasion. And we're going to continue to see this, but this is absolutely occurring on our southern border right now. And so all the way back in episode 101 of Radio Contra, I talked about Red Dawn in America. And I described exactly how this is occurring. I described in detail that these countries, which are deeply aligned with Russia and China, are sending people here, talking about Nicaragua, talking about Venezuela, talking about Argentina. They are sending their people here. And of course, we can't forget Cuba, right? They are sending people here in droves 
And we can safely deduce that at least a percentage of those people are enemy combatants and are trained, at least minimally trained, in sabotage operations, in intelligence collection, in targeting, and in creating chaos here inside of the United States. Now, we have stories coming out. Biden okays, or Biden administration okays mass releases of Cubans, Venezuelans, and Nicaraguans into the United States as authorities face migrant surge. This was all the way back in March. All the way back in March. Those countries that I just named, save for Argentina, but those countries that I just named, absolutely adversarial nations, they're bringing their people here. They know that the United States government, especially run by the Democrats right now, is at its weakest point it has ever been. And it cannot survive its own corruption. They know that the internal dialogue, driven by Mao and Marx, cannot allow for them to call a spade a spade. And they're not going to do anything about this. Because if they were to do so, they would be betraying their own values. This is exactly what is occurring, folks. This is exactly what is occurring. And this is what I warned all of you about and have been talking about for years. Example two, coming from USSA News, which is a pretty neat site. uh, A somewhat regular uh, site that I check from time to time. Venezuela releases all violent criminals and sends them to the U.S. border, says Department of Homeland Security Intelligence Report. They are sending their best and brightest, right? They're sending their absolute best. I'm sure all these guys were just political prisoners. They were American uh, regime supporters. Probably uh, from Venezuela, they were supporters of Juan Guaido, right? Uh, they and, and they said, hey, you know, if you if you want to be an American proxy, you can go live in America, right? Yeah, wrong. Uh, they are sending hardened criminals up here because that's what you do. You don't have to necessarily send trained government soldiers, but gangland soldiers, oh yeah, send them on. Send people who are already comfortable with violence. That's who they're sending. It's very interesting to me that our media, our mainstream media, and our politicians of both political parties have completely ignored this and are not paying attention to it, are not willing to call a spade a spade. But yet, in order for them to do so, as I stated, they would be violating their own principles, right? So that brings us back to Putin's speech. From Russia. That brings us back to the moves on part of China. Why in this war in Ukraine, why is it that it has been largely fought with conscripts, not the professional end of the Red Army? Because they they have really two armies. They have a conscripted force, they have a professional force and those guys have largely been sitting this one out at least that i've seen why is that 
Why is it that they've been fighting it with old technology? Why does it seem like they took a tactical pause? Part of it could be the fact that they're not as competent on the ground as we've given them credit for. And I would agree with that assessment. But the other part of it is, is that maybe they're not really fighting. Maybe they're saving their best for something else. Something else is going to be going on. Now, we know that Russia doesn't necessarily have the force projection capability uh, long term in the same ways that the West does. And for a lot of reasons, it doesn't have to. That's um, very expensive to do that. And we see that there's a lot of grift that occurs. Uh, KBR comes to mind. Halliburton comes to mind for 20 some odd years of the GWAT and the billions upon billions, tens of billions that was made uh, off of both uh, uh, Afghanistan as well as Iraq. But as far as supplying advisors, they could absolutely do that. As far as supplying equipment regionally, they can absolutely do that. And all the way back in 2017, I wrote a piece that was explaining in detail how the Russians had a scheme of maneuver that was creating infrastructure in South America for such an invasion of the U.S. border. They're, they're building... 50,000 AK-103s, right? The AK-103, 7.62 by 39, right? Very, very good performer in jungle environments. They're building 50,000 of those a year in Venezuela. Cavan Military Industries is building them. Now, Venezuela doesn't have that many troops. They're building this many per year. And where are these weapons going exactly? What are they going to do with them? They're building ammunition. They're building radio equipment. They're building BMP-2s. They're building BRDMs. They're building heavy weapons. Russia has a major investment in this. China does as well. They also have provided a heavy investment in Nicaragua, including the beginning of replacing the Panama Canal. They're digging a new one in Nicaragua. And cementing Nicaragua and the regime of Daniel Ortega, who is a communist, he was the leader of the Sandinistas, and the Contra fight against, or uh, and and the uh, fight of the Sandinistas against the Contras. Cementing him as a global power here in the West, in Central America, that guy is not leaving office. This is very, very important pieces here, folks. Who are they planning on arming? Who are they planning on on supplying? Who are they planning on causing chaos inside of their adversary's backyard with the gray zone warfare that is currently occurring, the sabotage that is currently occurring? Because when we see the number of industrial accidents and the uptick that has risen, over the past year, just to 12 months. A lot of people are trying to make sense of that and saying, well, maybe just maybe this is, you know, sliding OSHA standards and workplace standards and people are tired and COVID and all this stuff. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. There's more to this story. What's going on? It's sabotage on a mass scale. Now, I've talked about this in the past, Viktor Suvrov 
He was a very interesting character. He was the highest ranking Soviet defector from the GRU. Wrote about this in the last chapter of Spetsnaz. It was called Crescendo. And it was the plan for taking down the West. Read it and heed it, folks. Understand, too, that there's not going to be a Red Dawn invasion by the Chinese that some of the alternative media outlets were talking about just a few months ago. The Chinese will be invited in at the behest of Democrat regimes on the left coast. That much is a fact. But they'll be doing it as foreign internal defense. They'll be propping up their governmental partners in the way of the California regime, the Oregon regime, the Washington state regime. That's exactly what they are going to do. But who is going to make up the fighting force that's going to pacify central, the uh, central states here in the United States? And who is going to fight on the East Coast? That fighting force is coming from Central America. That's the larger picture, folks. Red Dawn in America is coming from within. It's beginning right now right before your very eyes. And our government is doing absolutely nothing to stop it. If we do not get control of the border right now and begin deporting these people right now, in mass, sending them back to where they came from, we are not going to get control of the situation. This is why right now you need to be taking every opportunity you can to get yourself trained, to get yourself prepared, to make those last-minute preparations. If you have seen how much it has escalated just in the past 12 months, you've seen nothing yet. And this is independent of the domestic issues that we see going on between the left and the right in America. Now, yesterday I said that the left has no place in America, and they don't. Now, I'm not talking about populism. I'm not talking about people who are out there fighting for the American worker. I'm not talking about them. The left forgot about you. They abandoned you long ago. I'm talking about the little dwellers on college campuses that are created by a very spoiled generation, multi-generation effort to destroy American society. You're playing right into the hands of the, the international elite. You're playing right into the hands of the Russians. You're playing right into the hands of the Chinese. You're playing right into the hands of these totalitarian regimes. They are doing nothing but waiting this one out. I don't think that it'll be a nuclear exchange. Although I'm not going to rule that out. You never know. But I do think that there is, right now, a serious concerted effort to completely take down the West. And it's happening from within, folks. It is happening from within. Quick shout out to the show's sponsors. Jack Loss and two-volume set Civil Defense Manual, civildefensemanual.com. I wrote the communications chapter in the book. I think that it is worth that alone. But there is a heck of a lot of other great information in there. Jack Lawson himself, a veteran of the Bush Wars in Africa, and came back to the States. He has been there, done that, and uh, definitely wears the scars from that. He's a man I'm very proud to call a friend. And I'm going to have him on the show one day here in the near future. But CivilDefenseManual.com, get those books 
Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom. Four volume set, very plainly written, easy to follow. Great books, and you're not going to find a finer Christian out there in the preparedness movement. TacticalWisdom.com. Finally, my great friends, Special Forces legends in their own right over at Blacksmith Publishing, the U.S. Army Special Forces Small Unit Tactics Handbook, written by Mr. Paul LeFevre and co-authored by Mike Blackburn. Guys, I don't know what more to say on that one. I don't think you get stronger bona fides in that world than that. Sponsors of the show, and I'm going to have them on as well in the very near future. But those are three outlets. All right, I am in the middle of writing my first book on communications, and I've got some more episodes of Lessons from the Farm uh, dealing specifically with communications. So definitely take those opportunities. Get training. Brushbeater.org slash training calendar. Brushbeater.org slash training calendar. Got new classes up for 2023 as well. Anyhow, folks, take the time to get yourself better prepared because this is going nowhere good and it is getting there quick, fast, and in a hurry. God bless you, and I will talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out. Yeah.